Please pray with me. Lord, we often change our minds. You know our hearts completely and you see our struggles. As we come to your word, we pray that the truth of Scripture would overcome our fears and doubts. We pray that the love of Christ would overcome our often selfish desires. Use your word to illuminate our lives with your truth, your love, and your infinite grace. Amen. Let's read from the Gospel, Luke 19, verse 36 to 44. In your Bibles, page 1054. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. This is the word of the Lord. Please open up your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 3. Our second reading will be from page 1236 in your pew Bibles. This is Christ's letter to the church in Laodicea, starting in verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea writes, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich, and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This, too, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Well, a couple of things I want to mention as we get going here. Um, the first is thank you all to those who volunteered. Um, it's sort of an unorthodox way to get volunteers, but it's seemingly effective, so be prepared for more. Um, and let me just say that men in the room, you can also help with children's ministry. And women in the room, we had this wonderful discipleship initiative, and um, people have signed up. And I think for the first time, maybe in church history, there was more involvement from men. And so, women in the room, let me just encourage you, if you have ever thought about mentoring or discipling a younger Christian, uh, please sign up. We have a number of young women who are looking for mentors to meet with. So if you've been looking for that push, I'm not going to ask for names now, but if you've been looking for that push, this is it. There are young women in this church who are looking for someone who's lived a little more life who would like to meet with you. Challenge. Okay. Here we are, Palm Sunday. Already one week to Easter. It's Holy Week. And let me also encourage you, church, if you have not participated in Lent, if you have not engaged in any sort of fasting or or spiritual pursuit, it's not too late. We have a week now ahead where we can meditate on this day that is coming seven days from now and what it means to us. We have a Maundy Thursday service where we can take communion and think about Christ's sacrifice. We have Good Friday where we do the same. And then the Kreuzweg on Friday where we walk through the city of Zurich with all other Christians in different churches and and consider what Christ has done. This week is a very special week in our church calendar. It's Holy Week. And today as we saw with the children doing the, the beautiful thing with the palm branches, we remember Christ's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And we also look at this this letter Christ wrote to the church. This letter, which is our last letter of this series we'll be doing, and next week Andy will be giving an Easter message, sort of looking back at Revelation 1. And so today what we want to do is this. I want to talk about this letter, what this might mean for us, and also look how it relates and ties into this Palm Sunday. And so it starts in verse 14. He says, these are the words of the Amen. As we know, Jesus is the true witness, the word we get martyr from. We know what will come. And Jesus is establishing himself as he has in all the other letters as the ruler. He even says very clearly here that he is the ruler of God's creation. And this is his right, this is his power in writing this letter. And so he then challenges, and he says something to them that's very interesting. In verse 15, he says, I know your deeds. You are neither cold nor hot, and I wish you were one or the other. Now, this is nothing to fear, but it's very important to know what he's saying here. You know, I have heard, and many of us have probably heard a sermon that says something to the tune of, well, God wants you either to be on fire for him and be hot, And he would rather have you be cold in opposition to him than to be somewhere in the middle on the fence. I remember as a teenager coming to church and hearing a sermon very much like that. And I think about that, and I'm not sure that really makes sense to me. I'm not really sure that Christ would ever want me to be in opposition to him. You know, and, and, and I've heard this before, and I've heard this interpretation before, and while some may have heard that as well, it just doesn't make much sense to me. I cannot see my God ever wanting to be in opposition with me. Why else would he leave the 99 to go after the one lost sheep? Why else would the father welcome so openly the prodigal son? If we look at verse 16, he begins to flesh it out. Verse 16, he says, because you are neither, so 
So he wants us to be hot or cold. He's going to spit us out of his mouth. Church, let me just explain first and then go into deeper depth. I think, and many of you probably know this, that this passage is not about being on fire for Jesus or being in opposition to Jesus. This passage is about being useful and effective for the kingdom of God. Our response to God should be something good and useful. See, archaeologists and and, and Bible scholars have, have realized that Laodicea was in sort of a little bit of a valley. And in the mountains not far away, there was a a cold spring where you could get fresh, clear water, good to drink. And and not far away in another region was a hot spring where people would go for medicinal and and healing and, and, and sit in the warm waters coming from the earth for various reasons. And Laodicea was a very wealthy place. And so they decided, well, hey, here's what we'll do. We'll build these great big aqueducts. And we'll, and we'll bring this water in from these two places so that instead of traveling, all of us who are wealthy and live in this city will come here and gain all these, perp- all these wonderful benefits of the cold spring water and the warm medicinal waters, the hot water. Yet, they built these aqueducts and by the time the water got to the city, it was lukewarm. It was useless. All the people's best efforts to, to, to capitalize on these things so that we, we could enjoy these comforts in, in, in the comfort of our own city it did not work. By the time it got to the city, it was useless. It served no purpose. One would still have to travel to get their benefits. They understood this analogy, I think. And so when we look at this passage, let me encourage you to think about this interpretation. That God desires his servants, us, his children, to do things that are useful and that serve a purpose. To his will and to his kingdom, and not be as lukewarm water that serves no purpose. And we hear this language and we become fearful because we don't like discipline, do we? We don't want God to spit us out. We don't want God to look at our deeds and say they're not good enough. We love the grace and acceptance of Jesus, but we also need to know something and be reminded of this, church. And if you go through the letters, we see it over and over. You've been hearing it a lot recently. (laughs) That he calls the church to repentance. Examine what you're doing. Think about your motivations. Go back to your first love. All of these things he's been saying, and he's telling the church in Laodicea, you need to consider why you're doing what you're doing. And is this useful to the kingdom of God? Does this benefit others? Is this helpful? And so he says, if not, then you have to be aware that a day is coming. This is a theme throughout all of scripture. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, this day of the Lord, right? Where there will be judgment. Why? He tells us why there will be judgment. Verse 17. Because you say I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are in fact wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Our pride is a funny thing, isn't it? You know, we met 
with the council and the deacons the last couple of days, and, and every year we get together and, and, and have a little bit of a retreat and just talk about the future of the church, and, and this year we sort of spent the theme talking about our spiritual life and, and how we can grow as leaders, and Andy led us in the historical understanding of the seven deadly sins. It was really fascinating. But one of the things we talked about was how pride is sort of at the root of all of these things. That from our pride comes all of these other things, all of these other sins, all of these other blocks to God. And here in this church, I believe they were very prideful. You say, I'm rich. Why do I need God? Church, what is your response to God? You know, maybe this is why Jesus said so famously, it is difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. How many of you would be considered rich. I know I would be. God knows our hearts. And let me challenge you to not become prideful of what God has blessed you with. Do not think that because God has given you much that you are much. Do not fall into this trap that this church has fallen into thinking we don't need anything. You know, history actually tells us also that around 60 A.D., this church was so wealthy, there was a giant earthquake that destroyed a lot of cities in this area. And Laodicea was so wealthy that when Rome offered help, they said, no thanks. We have enough money. We'll just rebuild our own city. Don't worry about assistance. Don't worry about helping. We're fine. God knows our hearts. And he says to the church, hey, you have all this stuff. Good for you. But do you, do you realize what the state of your hearts is? And he doesn't say soft language here. He doesn't say, well, hey, consider. He says, no, you are wretched. You are pitiful. You are poor, though you think you're rich, and you are, in fact, blind, because you cannot see. And then Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, gives us good news. He says in verse 18, hey, listen, church, let me give you a tip. You know, wealthy people love talking about stock markets and investments and everything, right? Uh, if I have a good friend who's an investment banker and he's just a bore to be around because all he does is talk about this stuff. Jesus says, hey, listen, I'm going to give you a tip, okay? I'm going to give you a good investment tip. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can actually become rich. I counsel you to get white clothes to wear. Remember how we were talking about the church? I believe it was Sardis, or no, it was uh, Thyatira that talked about how they had soiled their garments. He says, I counsel you to get white clothing. Get rid of these soiled garments. So church, let me ask you. It's okay, by the way, that God has blessed many of us with many things. But the question is, is who do you trust? Where do you place your trust? Because in verse 19, Jesus says very clearly, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Saying, I love you. And if there is a fear of anyone getting spit out of my mouth, it is because you need it. It is because you need it for discipline. It is because you need it for correction. We know sometimes that we need the harsh reality of correction and discipline in our lives. Parents of teenagers know that sometimes you just got to be harsh. Sometimes you just have to say, no, enough is enough. 
Because if you just let your children do whatever they want all the time, we know what happens. Sometimes we need to give some tough love. And right now God is saying to the church, hey, listen, if this keeps going, there's going to be some tough love. But hope is never lost. We may feel weak, we may feel feel fearful, but look what Jesus says immediately afterwards, immediately after that. He says, verse 20, here I am. (laughs) I'm standing at your door knocking. You don't have to come to me, you don't have to go through hoops, you don't have to prove yourself, just open the door. I stand at the door and knock and I will seek you out. How amazing is it that even though our God knows our deeds, he knows your heart, he doesn't just know your actions, but actually what you think about, you don't ever do. And he still says, I'm here at the door, knocking, because I want to be with you. Because I want to spend time with you, because I want to enjoy being in community with you. And not only do I just want, not just want to be with you, but I also, verse 20, want to give you victory. 21. I want to give you victory. Just as I had victory. Verse 22, whoever has ears, let them hear so that we would all hear. You know, we are so afraid of discipline today. We're afraid to be told what to do. We're afraid to be told that what we're doing is wrong. We're afraid that we may be doing the wrong thing. And we don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear criticism. We don't want to hear correction. But God says that to those whom he loves, he will in fact rebuke and discipline. Church, we cannot be afraid of this stuff. We cannot run from it and just pretend everything is good. But we have to analyze our life. We have to look at who we are and trust that God will redeem us so that we will have victory the same way he had victory. We need to be earnest. We need to be honest. We need to be open about our faults. We do not need to ever hide from God's correction. Because when I think about today and what today represents, Palm Sunday, Christ gave us a perfect example. You know, looking at that passage in Luke 19 that we read earlier, I love the passages about Christ that show us his humanity. You know, a lot of times I don't understand. I don't understand how Christ can spit into someone's eyes and make them better, right? It's cool, but I don't understand it. I like the passage when, when the disciples wake him up when he's sleeping under the boat and he gets kind of annoyed with them. And he's like, I was napping. What is wrong with you people? Do you have no faith? Wind, waves, be still. I'm going back to sleep. You know. I like the passage when he weeps over Lazarus because he's just sad. And I like this passage because I've never been there, but I was looking at pictures of it. And this road down from the Mount of Olives sort of comes around a corner and you can see, some of you have been there and you know, you can see the whole temple mount. Imagine Jesus coming around this corner, seeing the whole temple mount, and then just losing it. Just weeping. You know, this, this, this word in Greek is often translated weeping bitterly. This isn't just a little tear dripped out. You know, in English, you might even be able to say sobbing. He was crying, he was upset. Why? Because he says, if you only knew what would bring you peace. But you missed it. This story breaks my heart. Because this isn't just the story of Jerusalem. 
This isn't just the story of one city and one people group. This is the story of all of us. This is the story of our church. This is the story of human history that, that Christ came to offer us peace, to offer all of us peace. And many people miss it. When I look at this, I see Jerusalem, I see Jesus offering them peace, I see what Christ offers us, and I look at his letter to Laodicea, and I realize that all times, for all of us, when there's unrest, when we're fighting, when we desire peace, when we desire healing, when we feel shame, when we feel guilt, Christ is always there at the door knocking. That we would open the door And that from there, once we receive that forgiveness, once we receive the peace Christ offers, once we receive the forgiveness he gives, we then go out and bring that peace and forgiveness to others. That is how we become hot or cold. That is how we become useful in the kingdom of God, is simply to give the peace Christ gave us to our neighbors, to our friends, to our families, especially our extended family who really drives us crazy. Church, being useful to God is not something that is too daunting for us. Doing things that bring the kingdom to earth is not something that is too difficult for us. What did Christ say? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. You know, it's amazing that the Jews boasted in being sons of Abraham when they talked with Jesus. Remember that story? He said, we are sons of Abraham. Who are you? Jesus says... I can do you one better. I'm a son of God. And he says that if we bring peace, if we are peacemakers on this earth, if we bring peace and the love Christ brought and you useful things to do these things for Christ and his kingdom, then we also will be called sons of God. That we should never fear being spit out of his mouth. That we should never fear that we have wandered from him because we know that he has called us to this thing. To bring others that peace, the peace found in our true identity. And that is how we are most useful to God. That is how we can give our very lives and our service to God. And if you don't know this, hear this. That Christ is at the door with his peace. If you haven't opened that door in a while, just stop and consider the fact that Christ is waiting. With his forgiveness and his redemption. He can redeem your family situation. He can redeem your work situation. He can redeem the shame and guilt of stupid stuff you have done. All of it. He covers it all. And if you know this, and if you believe this, then let me encourage you to remember it today and bring others into this same peace. To have your life be a vessel that reveals the peace of God to others. That does something that is useful in the kingdom that does things where people would go to you like a hot spring or go to you like a well of fresh mountain water and they would go to you for nourishment because that peace of Christ is the only thing that will bring us nourishment. Christ wept over the rejection of this peace. I mean, think about that. Christ saw Jerusalem and knew they would reject him, knew they would reject this peace, and it made him weep. I say this completely honestly. I don't want Christ to look at me and say, Sam, if you had only known what you could have done. I want to be used by Christ. I want to, I want to bring peace to this world. I want people to know of his love. I don't want to be lukewarm and ineffectual. And so church, that's my prayer for all of us. 
That we would know, even though Christ knows all the stupid things we've done, even though sometimes we are wretched, pitiful, blind, and poor, even though we think we have it all, that we would open the door as Christ knocks. And that we would go out into this world and bring the peace that Christ died for. This Thursday and this Friday, we will celebrate the the Last Supper and we will celebrate Good Friday, Christ's very death for this peace. But he was rejected. My prayer for us is that we would go with this same message, that we would go with this same energy, we would go with this same witness as Christ wrote to these churches, that we would bring his peace to this world. It's amazing to me how much Christ cares for us sometimes, you guys. It's amazing to me that he still offers this. After years and years of people rejecting his peace, I mean, consider this world, how much turmoil and pain and hurt and hate there is. And it seems like it's only getting worse. We hear more and more stories of, of prejudice and abuse and hate and violence. How much more does this world need the peace of Christ? So that is our church. That is our prayer. He cares about us so much and he is at the door knocking. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. God, you are so good. I don't know why you still came to Jerusalem knowing that they would, they would reject you. It makes no sense to me, but I'm so glad you did. Lord, as we consider the peace you offer, the peace you bring, the peace we might find, I pray that we would open the door. Lord, that each and every day, the first thing we do is we would open that door and invite you into our day so that you would give us the power of the Holy Spirit to bring peace to this world. And Lord, if it's been a while since we've opened that door, I pray that you would give us the courage to do so, to invite you into our daily life, to do that which is useful, to do that which brings your kingdom here to earth through your peace and your love. Lord, teach us how to do this. We can't do it on our own. Thank you for this church. I thank you for those who do this. I thank you for those who trust you. I thank you for the support we find in this room. May that support encourage us and lift us up to go and do it everywhere else. Lord, we give you thanks for all these things and pray this in Christ's matchless and holy name. Amen.